0: Okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, We're live. Good to talk to you guys again. Um, So, yeah, we got a really cool film to talk about. We're talking about Christopher Nolan's Interstellar, which uh, came out in 2014. It was written uh, and directed by Christopher Nolan and also written by his brother. Um, This is a very interesting project in general. Um, So this film sort of started as a project written by his brother and then... Uh, actually was supposed to be directed by Steven Spielberg in like 2007. Um, And then it sat in development for, you know, basically seven years. And then finally uh, there was like some switches of which production company it was going to be under. And so then that led to um, Christopher Nolan agreeing to direct the film. And then obviously it became a Nolan film. And, you know, now, we got this film. So um, yeah. Uh, so have, had you ever, um, when this film came out, had you heard about it or seen anything about it? Do, do you recall when it came out?
1: Yeah, I remember when it came out. I knew a lot of people who went and saw it multiple times. They they were raving about it. There was one guy at work who was just like, oh no, you gotta see it. You gotta see it It's the greatest space movie ever. And it's so good. It's gonna blow your mind. You're gonna have to watch it more than once. And I was just like, yeah, I don't think I'll see it now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they, again. There's...
1: It's like the Inception thing. Everyone was telling me to see it, so I was just like, I can wait. <laughs> um, but you know, I was like I like I like space movies obviously, like I'm a big sci-fi nerd. I love all of that stuff, but it didn't at the time like I didn't feel like I needed to see it necessarily. I feel like it's more relevant now, especially with everything going on. I think it could definitely be it kind of like how War of the Worlds is, you know, um, yes. good to watch during like a pen. Maybe not good to watch during a pandemic, but you know, but you know what I mean? It can definitely be related um, mm-hmm. to whatever is going on now. Um, but it kind of just was one of the movies where I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see it eventually. Um, I was kind of, that was around the time where I was kind of fading away from like Christopher Nolan movies because I kind of felt like I saw so many of them at once and in a short period of time. And I was still on like my Batman kick. I think that might've been, might've been around the time when I was watching every Batman movie ever ever like that had been oh. made. Um, and, but yeah. Um, oh, and I just, I think I had also just watched true detective the first season as mm-hmm. well. So I was kind of on a McConaughey mm-hmm. kick, but I didn't, I didn't really, again, it's one of, the, I can't really sit through long movies anymore in theaters. So I just kind of was like, yeah, I'll, I'll see it eventually when it's streaming and things like that. But um,
0: this, this is definitely a long one. Um, and I, yeah. I like that you brought up McConaughey because this is kind of like the peak of him uh, pretty much. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and his I've, he was so phenomenal in it. He was really really great. Yes. I really yes. really appreciated his performance in it because he wasn't like that normal McConaughey that we know that.
0: Yeah, he can be a little zany at times.
1: He can be, right. and it, he can be a little too Yeah, you're rough around the edges kind of a character, but no, this mm-hmm. is just like a this is just kind of like a regular guy, too that I like. But he's but he's also very smart and he's very um good at what he does and he didn't really I like some of his conversations with John Lithgow's character, his father-in-law, where he was like, you were, because I read that John Lithgow's character is kind of like us. is kind of like a millennial basically now in his like sixties or seventies. But he has this line to Matthew McConaughey was like, you were either born 40 years too late or 40 years too early. And I was like, wow, I feel like that sometimes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Because there's a lot of, like, kind of thematic stuff because, you know, he talks to that character about how he's contemplating what to do, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If he should do this thing or not. Um, yeah, so let's just talk about the cast real quick. This is a great cast. So as we talk about um, the the protagonist, the lead is Matthew McConaughey, who plays Cooper, uh, this guy who's sort of basically in the past, he was a NASA um, astronaut pretty much, or at least in training, but it didn't work out at the time. Uh, then there's Murph. So Murph is played by the young version of her is Mackenzie Foy, who's a really cool actress. And then the older version is Ch- Jessica Chastain. <clears throat> and then, so that's uh, his Cooper's daughter. And then Cooper's son is Tom, who's played by Timothy Timothy Chalamet as the young version, and then Casey Affleck <clears throat> as the older version. And then there's Professor Brand, who's played by Michael Caine, who's in like, you know, almost every single Nolan movie.
1: <laughs> yep. He's always good. He's always good.
0: He is always good. Yeah. He always brings some kind of mentorly. He's usually the mentor.
1: Yeah. He kind of yeah. passed over into those like Anthony Hopkins roles where it's like only nicer, <laughs> only like the nicer version. Cause I feel like whenever Anthony Hopkins plays like a mentor kind of character, he's always kind of, there's always that wonderful well, is he evil? Is he actually bad? Because I could—he's uh-huh. good at doing both. And um, but Michael Caine always just seems like the one you can trust and the one that you want to mm-hmm. forgive if he fucks up. Um, like I love him in. Uh, oh God, I love this—the Magicians with Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Yeah. The Prestige. The Prestige. Like I love his character, The Prestige. Mm-hmm. Very understated, very but but there and very good. Um, and of course he's Alfred and he's wonderful.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Anne Hathaway is also in this. She's I think Amelia Brand. So like professor brand's daughter um and then there's so the astronauts are like brand doyle romley um and then there's a special cameo we'll get to <laughs> when it when it pops up that's i really didn't good. know
1: that honestly this movie's been out for like seven years or something like that yes or, yeah, i didn't so either i had didn't no either. Idea like when it came movie.
0: out like it, it i think there was a lot of people who legitimately were like what like i know i did um and that's something he kind of I think he's kind of doing that now a lot because that actually happened in another movie is uh, where I'm like, Oh, that person's in this movie. You know, um, he does such a good job of th- keeping things under wraps that, you know, they become like a pleasant surprise.
1: Yeah. And so. I was worried that when he did pop up, when I realized who it was that I was like, Oh, he's probably going to like steal the show, you know, cause sometimes he can be a little bit of a scene stealer. Um, but he wasn't i thought he would he i think he did a very good job of being a supporting character which is not something that's in his mo like he is a leading man and i think yes. he did a very good job of of just being a character i had never seen him play before like yeah, never yeah. and it was very good
0: yeah yeah so yeah the other so doyle is west bentley um and then romley is this guy david giassi so yeah that's the cast <laughs> and so yeah so just to get into the plot so the film opens up with this really cool. So it's like there's this bookshelf, right? And this really interesting kind of. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like that. This is how it it starts because you know, again, it's very. You know, I remember thinking of when I when I saw that I was like, "There's this is very uh, kind of foreboding. I feel mm-hmm. like this 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 has some meaning. I don't know what it is yet, but it has some meaning. Um, but it's, it's gonna matter. Cool. Uh huh. And like you see dust kind of falling, and it's it's all really very, very cinematic, very beautiful. Uh, and then we see these, these interviews with this old woman and she's talking about her life on a farm. Um, and then we kind of get this intercutting with this kind of dream sequence of something of Cooper on a on a flight in this sort of the futuristic space um, shuttle, pretty much. And yeah, and then you can tell it just didn't go well and it crashed and he's, he just can't get over it um and then you know his daughter murph keeps talking about this ghost she calls it a ghost leaving signs for 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 them um, and then yeah so we see like this this is the future so for what i understand this is supposed to be like 2067 is the year for this movie um, and then we kind of get more stuff about this family so again there's two kids murph and tom their mother is dead she's no longer around um, and then he talks about like you know they have this fun conversation about why she's named Murph because she's named after Murphy's Law, which is you know anything that can happen will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, although we see it as like something bad, right? Um, Generally,
1: that, the connotation is oh great, this is just a pe- this is just crap that's happening. But it,
0: yeah, it yeah, can yeah, be good but,
1: too. When nobody looks at it like that.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so then they're they're driving around. They see this drone flying, right? Uh, this old military drone, like basically from our time. And then they, there's this fun scene where they chase after it and he reprograms it so that he can uh, what's his name? Um, Cooper reprograms it so that he can use it for farming. <laughs> yep. uh, and this again, gives us more of an idea of what the world is like. So the world has been in- encompassed in another dust bowl pretty much. And the ability for us to produce food, to basically feed humanity has declined so a lot of people have to become farmers and so cooper is a guy who was like an engineer and then they sent him onto a farm you know so it again it's a little it's a little dystopian right it's pretty well pretty dystopian i'd say actually
1: yeah and i think it's interesting that like he was someone who was involved with flight you know kind of like test pilot kind of a guy and you know someone who loves science and you know obviously reaching for like the stars and things like that and then he's grounded in the most metaphorical way possible which is no now you're going to be in the dark like you're as far from the stars as humanly possible
0: yeah yeah um it's it's pretty rough uh and then it it, it gets even rougher uh, as we're going to see in this later scene but one one of the things i liked when he talked about taking over the drone he was like, yeah, it needs to be repurposed. It needs to adapt. It needs to adapt to our time. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting sort of kind of comment on technology. How you know technology needs to serve people, not just, you know, do whatever. Like this was a war machine that he's gonna turn into something to feed people. So I like that. Um and then we get this scene where Cooper meets with it's like a parent-teacher conference kind of thing.
1: Oh, this scene pissed me off.
0: This scene was like, yeah, this <laughs> scene was another one where I was like, What? So he basically At this point, um, well, they say, okay, your son, he's going to be a farmer, blah, blah, blah. So for Murph, uh, you know, so for Murph, they had a problem because she brought in this book from basically, again, from our time, which had some stuff about the moon landing. And they were like, oh, well, the moon landing was fake. They just openly said it. These are the teachers of a school. and They said, yeah, the moon landing was fake. That was just a a fraud perpetuated by the government to bankrupt the Russians.
1: It was all propaganda, which is like, I feel like he's so insulted by that. I love yeah. how shocked he is. And it kind of gives you a perspective. Oh, well, when he was in school, they were still teaching that obviously the moon landing was real. And that obviously, the, like, space, explora- space exploration was still a thing. And then just one generation removed, all of that has been reversed.
0: So just think about this. So we, we watched First Man, you know, uh, a couple months ago, I think, at this point. Just think about all the things that happened to all these people, this generation of people, right, who did who did that, who actually went to the moon, how much they sacrificed, how many people died, how many people basically kind of had their lives ruined, but we all collectively as a society decided we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. How crazy would it be to just say, oh, it was fake, yes.
1: I think there's some places that definitely would teach that, honestly. Um, I think there's some still some pockets of of communities that would love to, to be able to teach certain things like that in, in schools and have it be complete and total nonsense, in my opinion. Um, so what are you teaching them? Like, that's what I that's my question is just like what if the, if you if your curriculum is this backwards, just in regards to the moon landing, what else? Are, are are is going on in this new society and in this particular school in general. I, it, I think it's very, I think it's a very scary idea personally.
0: It, it's very scary because like, I think the answer to that question is that basically they're teaching people not to think critically. They're teaching people to just basically be a drone. You are a, you are a worker bee and your job is to, you know, just to go and farm just like the brother, the brother's like, you're going to be a farmer period and start um, that's it. You have no choice. You have no autonomy. You don't really get to decide for yourself. Um, society decides for you and you are told what to do.
1: And I feel like in some ways, like some of that isn't necessarily untrue of today. You know, we have different, you know, um, electives and different kinds of like, besides just like, you know, taking math, science and, you know, English classes, you have like the other ones in between. Like, I mean, I don't know if any, school still do wood shop or anything like that or have mechanic um, classes or anything like that where you can audit you can go to like a college and audit another class Um, so at least you have those options of knowing oh well maybe I would like to do something in a trade field or something like that or no I want to be a doctor so I'm going to take more science (laughs) classes and biology classes and all this other stuff Um, but in this world in this new future it's very no you have two options that's it that's it. You don't, we don't need doctors anymore because we're just letting people die because now the most important thing to figure out is how to make more food, basically.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the scary thing, too, to me about this idea is that we're, we're probably closer to that being possible than we'd ever want to think. Right? Yeah. To, <clears throat> to them just like spitting out insane propaganda into people's heads. Yeah. Um. I mean, for us that's shocking, but you know, I I don't know, <laughs> like, like, it's, it's crazy. But. Yeah,
1: but for some societies, mm-hmm. it might be a little more closer to home, you know, like, you're where your, your heads of state are considered also like your, like, they have pictures of them in, of them in their home right next to like a deity, you know, yeah. like, and there's still yeah. homes like that, that have a picture that like. They have a picture of the whoever the president of the United States is right next to their freaking crucifix, right next to their altar where they pray every day. They even have it in like their kitchens or their their dining rooms, as if like that 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 leader is an extension of your own family, if not the leader of your family. And oh, it's kind of yeah. a creepy idea at the same time. It,
0: yeah, it is creepy. Um, but yeah, that's that's the state of humanity in the interstellar. It's pretty bad, and it's it's getting worse. Um, <clears throat> so then, like, meanwhile on. Uh, Cooper's farm. A bunch of strange things start happening. Like uh, a whole bunch of the machines that do the the um, the tilling and the sowing of the of the farm start working. And then he has to basically a bunch of anomalies start happening, and he doesn't know why. And like books start falling on the ground in his library. Um, and so he's trying to figure out what's going on. Me. Uh, and then they get they get hit with another dust bowl. And <clears throat> then the dust starts lining up in this kind of sequential order of lines. And so then Murph and Cooper are kind of like trying to figure out what it is. And then um, I forget the the name of the character, but John Lithgow, he's like, he has this great line. He's like, yeah, and so, um, you know, you guys want to come to dinner? after he's just done praying to this dirt <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <It's> yeah. Really...
1: <laughs> after up praying in the dirt, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was really funny. <laughs>
1: Yeah, cuz um, he doesn't really get it. Like I feel like John Lithgow's characters, if he is like part of the millennial generation, he's kind of just like, yeah, this is pointless.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just there for moral support, you know. Pretty much in this whole movie. And he's yeah, but he's great. Um so they figure it out. They figured out that, you know, um, Murph thought it was like Morse code, but Cooper figured it out it's like a binary and it's coordinates. It's location coordinates. And they follow them. Um, and Murph again, you know, Murph is very rebellious, right? This situation with the teachers she got into trouble with. Um, she, you know, didn't want to listen to their BS about the moon landing being fake. So that got her into trouble here. She's like, you know, Cooper's like, don't, you can't come with me. Um, <clears throat> but then she snuck into the car and came with them anyway. So then they go to this facility. Right. Um, and then they're, you know, they're obviously not supposed to be there, and then something happened, which is very interesting. Something goes after them and attacks them, and and like kind of stuns Cooper, and then you can tell it kind of takes, um, it takes Murph away, <laughs> um, and then it turns out it's this like really interesting robot design.
1: Yeah, that was a really weird design. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't hate it. But as soon as I saw it in motion, I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense because you know sometimes motion motion brings it to life. You know, it's just, it can have a voice and stuff like that. But it, it, it having it move was very interesting, and I liked it. It was kind of clunky, but it it was graceful at the same time, and it was it wasn't just like this clinking clanking collection of colossal junk. You know, it was it was smart, it was humorous, and it was funny, and I I liked it. I liked all the AI in it.
0: Yeah, Tars was the uh, the AI that he encounters, uh, ex military robot. It was really like that was again another thing where it's like, whoa, this. And and I was reading, so they they wanted to go with a non anthropomorphic kind of robot, and so they I they said that they 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 figured out the most kind of mathematically symmetrical thing to create, so they could do all the stuff that we see it do in the film later on. Uh, but yeah, it was. It, it's basically like a talking obelisk.
1: Yep, pretty much, and it um, definitely has its own personality for sure. And yeah, I liked that. It, I liked that it wasn't like just some Android, some pasty-faced Android that we're so accustomed to seeing. Um, they're usually British. They're usually tall. They're usually Benedict Cumberbatch-looking. So I'm glad that it was something. Just I like that it was different and that it was out of the box. And yeah, it, it was good. I liked Tars.
0: Yeah. Um, So then, so what he finds out is that he's like, oh, where am I? And well, turns out he is at NASA. This is the future NASA. And they've, you know, it kind of makes sense, right? If you think about the whole situation at the school, like NASA, they don't even believe they did what they did, right? So they kind of have to go underground. Um, And then he tells them like, you know, yeah, I got the coordinates from this anomaly and that kind of lines up with something that they know is going on. Um, And so then Cooper kind of tries to figure out what's going on and they're like, yeah, so we have this, this plan basically to save the world and figure out like, you know, a way, a way for humanity to get out of this situation. Um, So they have basically, so they have two plans that they, that they want to try and figure out. So, First plan is um, they want to kind of do some sciency stuff, basically. Like that. That plan A is a little vague, but <clears throat> they need to acquire some scientific knowledge so that they can understand gravity enough so that human beings can get off the planet and um, basically start off-world colonies. That's plan A. Plan B is for them to um, basically do a population <coughs> bomb on another planet that is equally. <coughs> life-sustaining and so they're they they're looking for another planet to to go to to um sustain the human population and they're helped by the fact that they found this wormhole a wormhole disappeared near saturn it's out of the blue um and they don't know why it exists they don't know who placed it because a wormhole is not something that appears in nature it is a artificially created event um, and so they, they talk about, they sent these, these missions of people, uh, so they sent 12 mission, 12 ranger missions 10 years ago, and they are so they Basically they figured out which planets could be sustainable. Now they're going to do another mission, which is going to, um, you know, try and do plan A or plan B. <clears throat> um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, this is a, like a little complicated. So what do you think about the setup of this whole, I guess. Thing of, like, what the mission is,
1: right? I liked it. I honestly liked that it wasn't the first time they had tried it. I liked that this had already been something that had been well underway for a decade and that they'd been working on it, and, like, we see time pass differently for our main characters who eventually go, but just think of it in the way that oh, people have already been doing this. People have already been, like, going through the things that our main characters that we come to really love um, are going to experience, and I like that Michael Kane kind of tells... You know Cooper at one point like, oh, I've already been like, we were going to leave without you. Like, you can come, but like, we're ready to go like now, and um, we can't really wait for an answer. Um, so yeah, yeah, I like that the setup was that they've already been trying, and because usually when we watch movies like this, they the main character shows up and they're like, oh, this is the first mission, and we haven't tried anything like this yet. And so I like that the setup was that you know we've been trying, and we don't have an answer yet. <laughs> so, but we're gonna keep trying. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to try this other mission and they feel like because Cooper kind of just came in out of nowhere. And so it feels like it was fate that he would come. And Cooper thinks that, too. <laughs> um, and so he's kind of contemplating whether he's going to go or not. And, you know, Murph doesn't want him to go. And then Murph says, oh, I I, I figured out the message that it's that's being sent. The message is stay. Um, but he decides not to go. Cooper decides he's going to leave. And Murph doesn't take it well, and she's kind of just like mad and, you know, angry, uh, which is understandable, right? I mean, again, um, there was a lot of people who didn't make it in these missions, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he knows that. He knows that it's basically a one-way trip. Like, if he comes back, everybody's already going to be gone. Like, and yeah. he's very hopeful that he will come back. Like, he's very optimistic. I think part of it, I think Murph is the one of the reasons why he is so optimistic. You know, I have to go back for her and my son and things like that. Um... But it's still really sad because, like, you don't know because maybe they'll kill Matthew McConaughey off. We don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, we do, we don't know. <laughs> we have no idea. Um, because you know, like, what I mean, how many like in the early days, how many people actually made it all the way through
1: these mm. missions? Well, we did. We not. It's not very optimistic when they finally go for sure. And they said that they've done like twelve thing like that, and we only know of three that they find. So, it's pretty bleak.
0: It is pretty bleak. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, so then we get the so the so he's decides he's going to go. He drives off. We see the we see the we see them lift off. Some really cool stuff and they I feel like they really got this right the way that the 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 spaceship takes off into into orbit. It's really cool. Um and then Tarz is just like making these I guess you could say funny jokes, right? He's like he's like, "Yeah, plenty of slaves for my robot colony." <laughs> It's like what?
1: Yeah, they're like, yeah, his uh, humor's up like by sixty percent or something. They're yeah, like that. Like, it's like, oh, can we adjust that? Yeah, let's
0: take it, take it, take the humor down a notch. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so then they dock with the endurance, and the endurance is pretty much a futuristic version of the internet, uh, the the ISS, the International Space Station. Uh, it's the circular thing that has these little pods. It has like twelve pods on it. <clears throat> um, so they dock and they spin to create gravitational force um and then they're they're off on their mission they have i forget how long it's it, they said it was but they had basically they're going to go to saturn where the uh where, where the wormhole is and that's going to take them some amount of time so they're going to go into sleep whatever whatever that they they call that
1: like hibernation basically
0: yeah hi, they're going to go into hibernation and then <clears throat> then um they're going to you know approach the wormhole Uh, I thought these scenes of space were like really, really well done. I mean, they are absolutely amazing.
1: Oh, they're so good. Like when they're passing over like Saturn or whatever, and you just see this tiny little dot that's supposed to be them compared to this giant. It's so breathtaking. It's so beautiful. I love space movies that look like this. I love it.
0: Yeah, I just, it's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Like how vast the universe is, but how empty it is, but... You know, <clears throat> again, like like to be that close to something like Saturn, right? It's just awe-inspiring. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And I just love mm-hmm. that, you know, this film goes there. This film mm-hmm. is depicting all of these incredible <clears throat> events that, that can take place in the universe and tries to show us what it what it could be like for a human being to go into these situations. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely gorgeous, the photography and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get, yeah, we get this cool sting, like, uh, this, uh, Michael Caine, he, like, he reads this, um, this poem, he recites it, like, over and over and over again in the film. Yep. <laughs> Do not go gently yeah, into that, that
1: kind of life. Yeah, I, I, I understood the meaning behind the poem, but after a while, I was just like, again? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was very repetitive. It, was, it very was very repetitive.
1: And again, I get the theme and it's a fen- phenomenal poem. Like, I, I love that poem. Um. um but
0: I get it. <laughs> I get it. Rage rage, 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 rage.
1: Like, oh my god. Rage under- against
0: the dying of the light. Yeah. It's
1: like, I get it.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. Um. So so then yeah, they go into hypersleep and then they they exit hypersleep near Saturn and yeah, Murph is still super mad. She won't send him a message. He's Cooper's like looking at messages from the John Lithgow character and Tom and all this stuff. And they're just saying, yeah, what's, this is what's going to happen. You know, Tom's going to be a farmer, blah, blah, blah. You know, we'll talk to you later, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, So then Romley gets really excited because they're approaching the wormhole. And then Romley does this really cool explanation of why the wormhole looks like a sphere to us um, because of like, basically it's, it's bending space time. And so if you take a circle in three dimensions, it looks like a sphere. And then we get this really cool scene. I think one of the coolest scenes in all of sci-fi, like the history of science fiction. They enter the wormhole. (laughs) Like, even when they first see the wormhole, when they see the wormhole, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable seeing that.
1: You know, it was really, really cool. It looks so real. It looks so cool. It looked like they were really on, like, the edge of this. And I was just, like, I was so scared for them to go inside because it's such an unknown. And even, like, the film itself is showing something. Like, this is what we think it might be. We don't – nobody actually fucking knows. You know what I mean? Yes. And – but like it was so it was really, really cool. Like I really liked it. Like you're are you falling forward? Are you falling backward? Is it is there up? Is there down? There's no up, no down, there's no left, no right. It's just you're just kind of um occupying this odd space. And it's it's very it was very good. It was very, very good.
0: Yeah, it's it's so cool. And like there's a shot of like the ship approaching it, and you just see this big sphere and this thing is 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 coming near it, and it's just like <laughs> like you could just imagine being someone seeing that and just be like, I have no idea what's gonna happen.
1: I have no idea. I, I'd be scared shitless, honestly. Like and it almost seems like for a moment the way it looks, it's like, do they penetrate it? Do they go through it? Do they just enter it? You know, there were so many questions I had of how they were going to show it. Is it just gonna be like this are they gonna poke into it and it's just gonna be like this blob and it goes like blue blue, blue, or something, kind of like a bubble? Um, <clears throat> or is it just like this, is it just like the drop off? is that just it you know and then it's like a free fall into into what
0: (laughs) yeah that's that is kind of one thing we don't we see them approach it and then we see what happens when they're inside of it we don't see um because maybe that's just something we don't we we don't know until we we do it like what it looks like to see the sphere and then see you go into the sphere
1: exactly from
0: the outside like
1: i I have no idea (laughs) but i don't know
0: it yeah, maybe like you see. or is, is
1: it just like does it just does it just suck you in? But it's not a black hole, so why would it just suck you yeah. in? Kind of a thing, but it's kind of like yeah, like because in the second season of Star Trek Discovery, they use a similar thing where they use a wormhole and things like that. But what happens is they use a point of reference in the the space transport you, transports you through a wormhole. They use a point of reference, so that point of reference is pulling you okay through the wormhole, um, which again is like you know it's sci-fi, so you can do your own thing with it, whatever um i feel like because it was something similar in interstellar because they know they have an they have coordinates of where they're going because they know where the last person was um it's something similar to that so i kind of like that there's this point of reference that can tug you through and kind of be a compass in that sense um but i liked how this wormhole was portrayed more um in Discovery, it's a little more trippy, it's a little weirder. Again, they don't portray anything of what's up or what's down. It's again, just kind of like this free fall into, into nothing. Um, sorry, I just got a weird Facebook notification. Yeah, um, no. <clears throat> but I like it a little bit more, mostly because of just how it looked. I think it looked a little bit, a little bit more realistic, even though we don't know, we have no real answer. Um, it's all just theory of what it looks like inside a wormhole. Um, I liked this portrayal a lot more.
0: Yeah, I just thought it was just unbelievably cool. Uh, and then when they're going into it and they're passing through and it's like, it's just so amazingly visually um, compelling. Like you just see universes, like, like, like you see galaxies, galaxies flying past you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all because <clears throat> it, it's, it's basically like a, a circular tube of space. And then, you know, because it's like warping space uh, and like kind of con- con- contracting it. And yeah, you just see all of this space flying, flying past them. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it was unbelievable. And then, yeah, go ahead. Oh,
1: I was just gonna say, parts of it actually reminded me of Star Trek: The Motion Picture when they go inside this crazy like dome thing. It's um, V'ger. or yeah, V'ger basically is like the space entity. It's massive. It's 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 mass is unknowable. And within it, there are universes, there are mm. other their planets, there's cultures. And it kind of reminded me a bit of that visually. It reminded me of that. And I was I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I've, se- I've seen that before, but I, I like that they do something different with it, that you see all of this, you see life passing by you. And you're like, how does it fit? You know what I mean? Like, yes. because our mind is, our minds are trying to figure it out and to work out an equation that will make it fit. But sometimes it just doesn't.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, that's that's physics for you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy stuff. So <clears throat> then they, while they're passing through, Brand sees this anomaly. It's this weird gravitational thing, kind of coming out into the ship at her, and she like try, reaches out to touch it. Um, and it, yeah, it's just all really very, very different from anything any humans ever experienced, right? Oh yeah. <clears throat> um, and then there's this great shot of when they exit the wormhole like it's just you know it, you can see the space kind of undistort and then they arrive uh in this <clears throat> this 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 place um and yeah they're at, they're at this somewhere <laughs> way off into into space some other other location uh that's way way far away we don't even know how far and there's a bunch of planets around this <clears throat> massive black hole called Gar- Gar- gargantua And then they basically have to decide, okay, how are we going to – what's our approach to figuring out which planets we need to go on to find which ones are sustainable? Um, Yeah,
1: because they only have X amount of fuel. They only have a certain amount of supplies, and they need to be very precise, which I liked.
0: Yeah. So they decide they're going to um, go on this uh, planet – they call it Miller's Planet after the the astronaut who landed there – Um, so basically the setup is like, there's maybe, I don't know, three or four planets. Um, each planet is situated somewhere near the, uh, the black hole, um, either further or closer. And they are receiving a signal of data from each, each one from each planet. And each planet is sort of, you know, that's how they're deciding which one to go on. If the data says this is habitable, they're going to go there. If not, forget it. Um, and so basically they have three choices, uh, And so first they decide they're going to go to Miller's planet and it's a little dangerous because every hour they're on Miller's planet is seven years of earth time.
1: Yeah. Fuck that. (laughs) No, thanks.
0: Yeah. That's relativity. That is, that is temporal relativity. Um, Yeah. And, and so they, they have to write, they, 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 they're going to do it, but they have to, they have to be very precise about the amount of time they spend there because, you know, plan A is to save humanity. Um, not to just leave them there. And if if too much time goes by, you know, again, the human element is all all this time, if all this time goes by, what are you saving? Like Cooper's got a family and then his family is going to be older than him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's he really doesn't want to go down there. Like it's just bad feelings. Oh, like I've got a really bad feeling about this. It's too much of a risk yeah. because they're like, we got to get down there, get the data, check in with Miller and get the fuck out of Dodge before an hour passes. And that's just like, Holy shit. Like that, you have an hour or even before the hours up, you gotta, you gotta get out of there. Cause if an hour is seven years, minutes is months, you know what I yes. mean? Mm-hmm. So
0: Absolutely. no matter
1: what they're losing time, no matter how, which way mm-hmm. they slice it, they're losing time.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> then we get to see another, one of the greatest things in this film is the, the gargantua, the, um, the black hole it. And it's, again, this is like one of the most amazing things depicted in science fiction. This, this, black hole um what's so cool about it it was like this was probably one of the first times that we in any way shape or form attempted to depict realistically what a black hole of this type would look like Mm -hmm. um and they actually consulted some you know actual scientists and physicists to people who devote their
1: lives to this
0: (laughs) yeah there there was a guy i forget his name but he would also um he also kind of helped with the film and the 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 script uh he wrote a scientific paper based upon what the black hole looks like in this in this film um because base what they did was they just fed some some math <laughs> pretty much they fed math into into the cgi machines and then it spat out this this thing it's it's spat out what gargantua looks like um and interesting thing was in 2019 we uh basically figured out the first way to actually kind of photograph um Uh, actually photograph a black hole and it looks very similar to this very similar to what you see in interstellar there's the the kind of the lensing like the Mm -hmm. um i forget what you call what you call that but like because of the way that it distorts certain things you get that where there's a circle and then there's like this thing uh around it in the front um yeah so like what you're seeing is very close to reality which is kind of (laughs) mind-blowing
1: it's pretty cool it's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty fucking scary at the same time, but it's pretty cool. Like, you can't help but be like, wow, nature is awesome. Like, or is there is there more to it than just nature? What else is there that, what are the components of this thing? You know what I mean? Like, I always wonder, is it aware of what it is? I always wonder that about about everything. Like, not about a chair or, you know, things like that. But like, you know, does a bird know it's a bird? Or is it just, you know, going on instinct, you know?
0: Yeah. Does the does the um, does a supermassive black hole know that it's one of the most incredibly insane things that it can can appear in nature? Who knows?
1: Who knows? Who knows? But it's it's definitely awe. It's awe.
0: Yeah. It is. It is awe-inspiring. Um, yeah. It's just there's so many things, right? So we've we've gone from a wormhole to seeing this massive black hole. It's just mind-blowing, right? It's absolutely mind-blowing.
1: It's fucking crazy, <laughs> dude. Like I didn't. I was just like, this movie is just throwing a lot at me, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying all the shit it's throwing at me. Like, we just went through a wormhole. Now we're on the edge of a fucking black hole, which, like, it yeah. just... Yeah, yeah. And
0: there's, there's this great shot where they're, like, <clears throat> they're approaching the planet, Miller's planet, and, like, it's right at the cusp of the black hole, and you see all the kind of light kind of flaring out at the bottom of it as, as their ship is going to... It's It's, like, it is so beautiful what they are able to depict in this film
1: it really is and i see i feel like it pays homage to a lot of other films as well like i see some star trek themes in there some 2001 space odyssey just with the ai alone you know i mean yeah it's not gonna try and kill you um but it definitely even just like just a lot of homage to sci-fi and you know like (laughs) this is the culmination of all these other films and i even read i've never seen it personally i would i've always been to watch it this is on one of this is very high up on my to watch list which is event horizon yeah um i heard that that was very this movie was very much inspired by that film and yeah i just like it it's just not only is it a beautiful movie and i really like the story but it's also just—it—it it really does feel like this—the crescendo of all these other sci-fi movies we've—we've we've grown up watching and have enjoyed so much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's taking all that stuff and then, oh yeah, all the all those two thousand one, all these these things that are trying to like depict for the time what we think of the future, and then putting it all together. This is the next level of that. It is definitely paying homage to that. I mean, I you know in that scene where they go through the wormhole, I can't help but think of like, compare that with in 2001 when, um, when he, when he finds that final, that final uh, obelisk and then there's like, it tilts up and then who knows what happens, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He he probably goes through a wormhole or something, but this is like taking that, but then showing it in a different way visually, but it's Mm -hmm. yes, kind of hitting on the same stuff. So yeah, it's such a cool film. Um, So yeah, so then they, they arrive on Miller's planet and they get there. And it's just a bunch of water, right? Just a bunch of water. Not much else. They don't really see much else. They're trying to find where Miller's stuff is at, like the data or the ship or whatever. Uh, they And then they try to find the beacon. Oh, and another thing. This, this planet is 130% of Earth's gravity. So it's
1: you're
0: 30%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are heavier and it's harder to move.
1: Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> on top of the fact that they're wearing these suits that are super freaking heavy. Like there's so much weight bearing down on you. Like they're panting. Like they're out of breath all the time. They're just like hit me off this fucking planet.
0: Yeah. So so then they're they're looking for this beacon and then they find it and it yeah, they're, they're in trouble. It, the beacon is destroyed. It's just a bunch of wreckage. Um and they they also don't understand like what the terrain is. And then later on, you know, Cooper's like those aren't mountains. That is a wave. So there's like a massive. I mean, how big is this wave? I don't even
1: like. It's the size of the Empire freaking State Building, dude. It's just like, and that's the thing. Like, it's so because like the gravity's wearing down on them. That's that's obviously very heavy on your body. You're in, you're on an alien planet, so that's gonna mess with you psychologically. There is wreckage everywhere. Clearly, someone is dead. <laughs> I would think I'm looking at a mountain too. Like, like when Anne Hathaway says, "I'm running," I'm going towards the mountain. And they're just like, wait, what? What does that even mean? Like, it's almost like maybe it's affecting her psychologically in a way that her mind can't comprehend that there is this massive tsunami coming at her and that she's going to her brain is going to try and rationalize it as something else. Because why would you think? And the water's not even that deep, which I thought was really interesting. It's this Mm -hmm. whole planet, I'm assuming of water, and it's not even that deep. It's like ankle deep to them. So not only do you have all of this gravity bearing down on you, but you're trying to move through water. And we all know, like, you know, when you're trying to run through water, it's a pain in the ass. Pain in the, yeah.
0: And so it's all just, you know, yeah, it's it's really good you you bring that up because think of all the crazy obstacles that get thrown at them. They don't know what the terrain is like. It's they're heavier. It's water, so they're slower. So it's even and time is a huge resource for them. And so this is sucking away really their most valuable resource, which is time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so they're just, they're, yeah, they're really in trouble. Um, <clears throat> and so then like, you know, Brand does a stupid thing where she's like, Oh, I have to get the data. I have to get the data instead of getting into the ship and leaving. Um, so she's trying to do that. And she, she basically kind of gets stuck because she can't, she just, you know, she can't move. It's, it's, it's this the, the plant. She's too heavy. The water is slowing her down. She's, she's not She's disoriented.
1: Make it she's tired. You know, um, I think she gets caught on something, too. I think she gets caught on some of the wreckage, but coupled with the fact that she's heavier and in water, and she, she's obviously exhausted. Um, yeah, she just, she can't move. I love that moment because, like, Wes Bentley's just kind of like, we don't, I was, I, unfortunately we didn't get to know Wes Bentley's character all that well, um, but uh, he... He knows he can't get to where he's trying to, but he knows he can't in time. So he, he tells, I love this moment when he tells Tars, go get her. Um, because it brings it back to that whole, like, the an AI's first mission is to protect human life at all costs, basically, or, or something like that. There's, like, a list of, like, AI prerogatives or something, or priorities. And I love seeing, like, Tars just move, like, super fast through the water. Yeah. And he's just, like like seeing him in motion before when they were still on NASA was just a little bit. And then you see him just like, he's like super fast. He's agile in water. Again, he's not, he's not this clinking clanking thing. He's very graceful and he just kind of like scoops her up. And I just thought that was so cool. I love that. That was so
0: cool. Cause like he does this kind of cylindrical movement. Mm -hmm. He like basically turns into like a sphere and then moves like that. And then it like creates these robot arms like this and then grabs her and then Mm -hmm. runs with like its feet.
1: Yep. It was so good. I love it.
0: That was, like, again, another, like, wait, what? He can do that,
1: too? Exactly. Like, he's not limited. Like, if that's, like, if that's what his limit is, then, like, that's crazy. But I feel like it's just a little taste of, like, no, this thing is actually pretty helpful (laughs) in a time of crisis. And, again, it goes back, oh, well, he was a military robot. So, obviously, he's not going to just be some, he's not going to look like a printer for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's kind of shaped like an old-style printer, but, like, he's... He's pretty badass. I like Tars a lot. Yeah, I, Tars I just, is great. I just loved that moment of you know him not even hesitating, you know, because even though he could list off like, oh, oh, well, you know, she's, I'm not gonna make it back in time. It's futile. We should just let her die. No, he just he doesn't hesitate. He just goes and gets gets her.
0: Yeah. So he goes, he gets her, and then they're all trying to get back onto the ship um, before the wave hits, but they just can't make it. The wave hits them. It floods the engines. Doyle doesn't even get on the ship. He basically. Gets sucked into this wave, and that's pretty much it for him. Um, and they are stuck on this planet until their engines get dry unflooded. out,
1: basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Cooper's pretty pissed at her.
0: <laughs> Cooper is hella pissed. Cooper's hella pissed at her for good reason. She kind of like, you know, look, you're you're the the most important thing is time, and you're wasting that resource. That's the main thing of the mission. Yeah. Um, and they have they have this kind of they basically have a fight. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And then they, they have this really interesting conversation after, like, you know, they've exchanged, you know, angry words and everything like that. And he kinda of, I think he, he Cooper asked her something, like, Well, how long do you think Miller had been here? And she was just like, Well, time is relative. We might have just come right after the crash. Like, we don't know how long she was here. Because the beacon was still going. You know what I mean? Like it was still transmitting data. And um, so obviously she was there and Miller was there long enough to send information back, but she's like, We don't know how long this this has been a thing basically
0: yeah so it it is an utter disaster right just like on every level it is an absolute disaster for them um and yeah we get some other like some other stuff they talk about like is there a way to travel in time and then this is where she says which is going to be irrelevant later the only way to the only way to that we know to traverse time and space is through gravity um because he's trying to think like is there a way for us to like get back the time we lost and basically the answer is no for them
1: yeah like we can keep moving forward but we can't really go back
0: yep which sucks so then finally they well what <laughs> what happens is a second wave is coming
1: and then you get the hell out of dodge <laughs> they need to
0: get the hell out of there and it's like well the engines aren't flooded uh deflooded yet it's like i don't care we gotta go now <laughs> and so then they're able to like kind of jump start the engine in the ranger and get the hell out of there before they get hit with the second wave. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, a really bad way to start this whole thing. Someone died. They lost a bunch of time and they didn't really get anything out of it. It's not that they got any knowledge out of it.
1: Not really, no. This is really disaster. important. Yeah, that's just heartbreaking where you're like, oh, well, that was a wasted trip in more ways than one.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then they get back and Romley is like, right? Romley, he's, he's been stuck with a robot for what we find out is 23 years, four months and eight days by himself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. That sucks. That sucks. That I, is... I
1: I really liked Romley's character. Like that was just so sad. He's like, Oh, you came back. And like the looks on Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey's face, where they're like, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. like that, uh, 20 year, 23 years.
0: <sighs> by yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, the thing too is, you know, he even says like, I, I, On some levels, I didn't think you were ever going to come back. I thought you were dead. What do you do then if they die? If everyone died?
1: Mm -hmm. They're lucky he was still there.
0: (sighs) Yeah, if he didn't just leave. Um, So then we get this is like this is the emotional gut punch of the film. So then Cooper starts looking at all the messages that were left while he was gone these twenty three years, Um, and then he sees Tom. Tom keeps sending him messages. Tom is growing up. Then Tom. You know, says, oh, yeah, John Lithgow died. We buried him. And then um, he has, uh, I think, a son. Yeah, Well, he has a kid, his first child.
1: Mm-hmm. He
0: shows him the first child. And then you just get this devastating message where Tom is like, you know, everyone's telling me you're not going to come back. You're not going to make it.
1: I need to let and, go.
0: Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to. I I, have to do it. I have to let you go now. Goodbye, dad. It's like, no. Yeah. Oh, just devastating. Um, and then he gets one last message from Murph, who's who's like, you know, she's fucking mad, right? <laughs> and, yep. you know, she's in the message, she's like, yeah, like, <clears throat> I, I'm sending you this message because, you know, at this point, we would be the same age. So they are actually the same age at this point mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, and she's mad at him for leaving still. Yeah, it's, it's, it is devastating. And it's
1: like, so devastating.
0: Like, there's a lot of, a lot of his films kind of get pegged as being like very cold and kind of technical and mechanical. And I've, I read someone, they talked about like his films are very materialistic. Like there's always some kind of something, it it always has to do with time and time is the main thing that he's, he's dealing with. Like that's the real enemy of, of whoever the protagonist is. Um, but this is like a really emotional scene, like one of the Mm -hmm. most emotional scenes in any film he's ever done. And it really connects with the character.
1: Yeah, and it really connects with, like, the audience, too. And you just feel so bad because she hasn't... She's never sent a message. She's been angry and hurt this whole time. She's struggling her way through. And it's just... It's like this... Because she doesn't know if he's still alive or not. And it's like this weird rite of passage, almost. Like, yeah, I'm your age now. I'm the age you were when you left. And it's just like... ugh, Like, you just... You missed so much. You missed so many things. And it's it's really it's just so sad
0: yeah it it's devastatingly sad and you know again like that's that's the cost of doing this kind of stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: you sacrifice your life and your livelihood
1: and your family like and your family. and your family and your time and again time is like the most important theme and yeah it's just that theme is pretty I get why there were so many memes of it and everything like that now I get it like seven years later I get yeah.
0: it yeah <laughs> Yeah. Like him crying and then like something, whatever's on the television. Yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. Like I get it now. And I'm just like, oh, that's actually really, really sad. I was laughing at these things. I didn't even know the context of it or anything.
0: Yeah, And McConaughey is like unbelievable in that scene. Like, oh,
1: yeah. Like, I don't know if they were playing like it on a monitor or if someone was reading the lines behind like a camera or something. Um, but he was fantastic. He was so good. He doesn't even say anything. He doesn't even say anything. And you just like, you feel for this guy so much and you can just see he regrets it. He's like, I should have stayed.
0: Cause yeah, you can, that, that's such a human emotional thing. Like not being able to be there with your family as they get older.
1: Like Mm -hmm. that's. Or to just be there for them too. Like, you know, he's like, I get the, I. I kind of missed it the first time, but then as the the movie kind of progressed more, his, Casey Affleck's first child died. He got sick or something oh. like that. Because you don't see the other. You only see one kid, and he has uh-huh. a different name. Because he mentions in one of his videos, oh, we were going to name him Cooper, but my wife thought, no, maybe the next one, kind of, and chuckles about it. And then, yeah, he just, he wasn't there to be, he wasn't able to be there for him. Yeah. And it's so sad. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And then, so we now get sort of brought into the story of Murph who's, you know, in her thirties now. And she uh, is, she works for NASA and she works with Dr. Brand. um, And so she's a scientist. So yeah, she's in this dystopian future she's living kind of a a solid life. Um, And there's actually this really great line again from the John Lithgow character. So like right when they go off on the mission um, Dr. Brand comes to them with the car And is talking to the John Lithgow character and then basically saying, yeah, Murph is going to come work for us in the future. And then John Lithgow says like, oh, yeah, well, you know, hopefully she'll um, (laughs) they'll probably be good for her. Hopefully she'll make a fool out of you just like she does her teachers. (laughs) And I thought that was really kind of interesting foreshadowing and also just like a funny you know, line from that character. Again. No,
1: absolutely. And I think it's also a way for like the characters themselves to kind of cope with what they've lost. You know, Dr. Brand's daughter is most likely never coming back. And he knows that. I get the impression it's his only kid and that they were very close. I mean, she followed in his footsteps. There's obviously some a real closeness there. And Murph loses her dad. And I feel like they kind of try and cope with it Together by creating this like not necessarily like a father daughter dynamic but like this um, student mentor kind of a thing where they can kind of be there for each other they can kind of replace what they've lost with one another.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, and like martha's still very angry with with him and just like to the point where she doesn't she doesn't forgive him and she thinks this is the main thing too that's really devastating. She thinks that she left he left them. Yeah, like not that he not that he like had to struggle to make this choice that he wanted to get away from them and just leave this planet that's dying to, to be somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Like you left us to die. Like that's, that's how she feels. And I think it's very common for kids who do have a child that abandons or a parent that abandons them. They see it only as abandonment. They don't see that there might've been, they don't understand circumstance. They don't, they don't want to understand circumstance. And it's just this anger that's kind of left behind And to an extent from my own life, I kind of understand why she's angry. Um, But then I then I found out why, you know, I found out reasons why what was going on in this person's life at the time to make them want to just run away. And while it's still a shitty thing to do, but I'm an adult now. I'm not a kid. And I I at least took the time to figure to understand someone's reasons. And Murph just Murph just doesn't want to. Because it only seems like there is one reason the planet's dying, everyone else is dying. I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna yeah. take off.
0: And the thing too is, I I feel like she probably feels like she understood what the message was, you know, and he just wouldn't listen to her. That made it even worse.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. Like, oh, I was just a kid. You're not gonna listen to me because I'm just some stupid kid. Yeah, you know, like, and she tried telling him so badly, and like, if because so often kids don't. We don't if we remember what it was like to be kids. Like we we. I feel like at least I felt like I was never listened to when I had something yes. to say, I felt like I either didn't have the words to articulate it properly. Cause I was a child mm-hmm. or I just wasn't listened to or taken seriously when something was important. And I definitely feel that for her. I do.
0: Yeah. Um, so then back in space. <laughs> so now <laughs> that their disasters first mission has happened. Now they very, in a very calculated manner are deciding the next planet they're going to go to. So there's two planets. It's either man's planet or Edmund's planet. So, and they're basically man's planet seems more uh, fruitful, I guess. Um, So brand wants to go to Edmund's planet and Cooper wants to go to man's planet. And then Cooper kind of drops this bombshell (laughs) on Romley (laughs) where he's like, well, you know, Romley, you, you probably need to know the fact that, uh, Dr. Brand is in love with um, is, is in love with Edmonds.
1: She's He's been emotionally love. compromised. Yeah, emotionally compromised. She's been emotionally compromised. Her her vote is null and void. Like, it doesn't hold water. Yeah. Sorry, Anne.
0: Yeah, and so, she's like, why should that matter? And then then she kind of It fucking
1: she, matters. It matters. Yeah. Let's not play that game, sweetie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and then she cops to it and then she kind of just opens the floodgate, right? Like, yeah, I, I wanna see him again. And if if maybe there's a one percent chance I wanna take it, you know, and then she goes into the spiel about love and stuff. <laughs> this is this is okay. So I'm curious, like, if you were in that situation, so you're Romley in this situation. You're Romley. Yeah, what side are you taking? What are you what's your vote?
1: Oh man. If I was Romley or I'm in Romley's position because like I would feel I would just feel so bad. But because like the data from man's planet is so strong, it's been the only consistent stream of data that they've gotten. You have to go with what seems like the best position. And like you have to set us like we have to set aside our personal feelings for the betterment of humanity. It's one person. And that's horrible to say. But it's you only have one shot. And you can't afford to be wrong. You you can't afford to be wrong. And just because you you're like if it was Ryan on that planet and I was Anne Hathaway I would probably feel the exact same way she does you know what I mean and yeah. it's, and it's just ugh, it's it's a sticky situation it's horrible but like you have to go with the data it's it's awful you but you you have to go with that it's this is humanity this isn't just one guy and you yeah, don't know if, yeah you don't know if he's alive like they got to Miller's planet and it was an utter freaking mess
0: yeah and Miller was dead
1: And on top of that, Miller is dead. On top of the (laughs) fact that going there killed another scientist who was very important to all of this. Yeah. He was a kind of a a detractor of like Cooper, but like at the end of the day, he was chosen. He was, he was there for a reason. And who's to say, if you go to freaking Edmunds planet, it's not going to be worse. Like it's, there's no guarantee and you just have to go with the the best stream of data at that point. And it's, it's awful to say, but it's at that point, you can't, you can't, that 1% is not valid. It doesn't, it doesn't hold water.
0: Yeah. We, you you gotta, because imagine if there was another disaster on that planet, he's dead. It's uninhabitable. They, the mission's basically over and they, exactly.
1: And there's no way of telling anyone, Hey, we fucked up.
0: (laughs) It's also, it's also difficult for her too to make her case because of what happened on Miller's planet when she kind of
1: yeah she, kind of, up. yeah she fucked up she shot herself in the foot on top of the fact that she is emotionally compromised and we we can't afford to have the heart lead us right now we really can't yeah. like even cooper who is doing this all for his kids and future generations he's like i can't take that risk like i can't i can't trust you i can't trust yeah. that when you get there if we find him you're not going to do something incredibly rash because of your co- compromised <sighs> position she yeah. she's not a she's not a um that's the word I'm looking for? Reliable anymore.
0: Yeah, she's not reliable, unfortunately. So she concedes to it and they're you know, they they make their plans to go to uh Dr. Man's Planet. Um and then we get this other scene where she kinda, you know, again, like now emotions are very high and she kind of was like, Well, you know what? Um, <laughs> you know, when the situation is on your end, Cooper And you have to choose between your family going back and never seeing your family again. I hope you use the same kind of credence that you did with me. Yeah.
1: Do I have to? Uh, I I was hoping you weren't going to say that, actually. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's the price, right? That's the price you got to pay to do this stuff. You have to think beyond ourselves and our selfish interests. Think of the big picture, the human picture. Humanity is bigger than you or me or any other individuals. It's bigger than that. Mm Just is, you know. Exactly. And we, you gotta. What's the what's the line from Spock?
1: The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the one.
0: Yeah, they do, and that's true. Mm
1: -hmm. It's true.
0: They do. Um, So back on Earth, uh, Doctor Brand is dying. He's basically on his death. And then he starts babbling the stuff. And then he said, he says that they've been lying about solving the gravitational equation, lying about it for decades
1: you bitch ass old man god damn it like that's when that's like i'm god like michael kane <laughs> just like that, yeah just like sobbing on his deathbed admitting to someone that he has mentored and cared about and been a father figure too just yeah i kind of lied
0: yeah i've lied for you know i mean at this point that's most of her life she's been fed that lie
1: yeah right? it's one of those alters your perspective on everything moments and those moments suck those moments are yeah. horrible i had one of those this year and it sucked <laughs> and it's just like it's like that you know that zoom zoom in zoom out effect kind of like in jaws when like oh Brody yeah, yeah. sees like the shark attack mm-hmm. happening and it goes really tight on his face but yeah the the background is just like it's i love that effect yeah, the Virgo and effect. Exactly. And it, it happens. That is something that genuinely happens. And it happens to Murphy in that moment. And it just, it brings up more questions than answers. And it sucks. Because then she's like, well, did my dad know about it? Who else knew?
0: Then, and- yeah, we get this great scene where uh, Murph sends a message like, oh, so you just, to her dad, like, oh, so you knew. You knew that we were doomed here and you left us. You left us to die, blah, 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 blah.
1: And she calls Um, Anne Hathaway's character straight up. She calls her out. She's just like, I don't know if this is going anywhere, but I'm mad. But it's a different mad, because now there's doubt in what she's always believed about her dad, which is maybe he just left us to die, but maybe he didn't know, but maybe he did know. And that validates her feelings this whole time, but it also puts in a huge level of doubt as well. You know, like, did you just take my dad from me without telling him? Like, that would piss me off.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, and then we get so like this was one of the most interesting parts of the film, actually, for me, because this was like this was a choice about where we're going to go philosophically in the film. So the message is being sent. It gets received by um, their ship. And then it's like I think it's Case or Lars, one of the two of them, is watching the message. Mm. He's, he's watching it. <laughs> and it. And this is like some emotional shit. Right. And and it's like, whoa, what what's he going to do?
1: Exactly. Oh, and is I, I was for a moment just to go to the Lars and Tars thing. I was I'm briefly confused for a second because I, I honestly didn't realize there were two separate AIs, but <laughs> Lars is basically the pilot, and Tars is the anthropomorphized version of, of Lars. I'm assuming they share similar, not maybe thoughts, but uh, priority mission priorities basically uh, but that's just a little side note for me is that it was very late in the game when I realized they were two separate AIs.
0: yeah there are there they and the names are very similar too so it's it's kind of easy to-
1: exactly but no it is a moment where he's just or we're saying he only because he has a yeah. male voice, male but he's voice. Kind of, you can almost like there's no face to either of these AIs. There's just a data stream. You know what There's I mean? A, yeah.
0: There's a, like a matrix board.
1: <laughs> exactly, and he, even though, but and even though it's just that, you get to know this voice where you can almost kind of, he's, it's almost like, should I be watching this?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, it's like, yeah. It like, kind of um. like it peers in, and it's like, mm, mm, mm. he's
1: like, um, I don't think <laughs> this was for me, and it makes me wonder did Lars and Tars, even though, like, they're these super smart robots, they must have they. Computers are supposed to figure out things that we can't. And it's almost yeah. like this, this is something that I am programmed to know.
0: <laughs> the 90% truth thing, right? Can't be 100% truthful because that's actually a detriment. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. And that's kind of left to linger. So then, you know, that's very, that's very, get this kind of Hal vibe. It's like, whoa, is how going to suppress this information uh, and so then yep, we see
1: don't.
0: them. Yeah. Smart, yeah. <laughs> so then we see them flying down to man's planet and oh man, like again, the photography is so beautiful. Like the sky is literally frozen. So like there's these frozen clouds and there's a whole bunch of shots where you kind of see the, the, um, the ground level and the, like the sky kind of compressing together as they're flying downward. And then they like, they like hit, hit uh, a frozen cloud. It's really kind of funny. Um,
1: was that Iceland? Were they filming in Iceland? Because I feel like Iceland's become yeah. super popular to film in lately. Because even season two of Discovery's doing that.
0: I believe so. Yes, it was Iceland. You're right. It just looks—it looks alien, right?
1: Oh God, yeah. I'm like, this is a real place. <laughs> how do you live there? It's like when—it's like how there's still like in um, oh, where is it? There's like still like these tiny little pockets of like communities and humanity that in like russia or something like that like deep in like the russian wilderness that like still thrive and have never like advanced beyond the wheel and fire basically and it's like people actually live there like how do you survive like what kind of person does it take to survive in a climate like this it's it's crazy to me
0: yeah so then they they find this outpost where man was and they go to wake him up um and again they call this the lazarus mission because lazarus rose from the dead. Um and who pops out? Our it's friend
1: Matt Damon. <laughs>
0: Matt freaking Damon. Yeah, like, I was what?
1: by that. I'm like, I thought you were on Mars, dude. <laughs> like, like I thought you just took a trip to Mars. But no, he's just been in like he's just been sleeping for 20 years.
0: Yeah. Um and he comes out crying and he's super emotional. And yeah, we we think like, oh, it's Matt Damon. Yes. This is this is gonna be, we're finally we're finally turning the page. We're finally into a positive territory in this film. Um, so Dr. Man shows them around the world. And then, you know, they're talking about science-y stuff basically. Uh, and then Lars comes down. And so this, again, this is closing the that, that open-ended question. Lars shows them that whole message unedited, doesn't, doesn't you know, doesn't do the howl thing. <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> no. unfiltered uncut raw here it is yeah
0: just just blasted on them and they you know cooper <laughs> cooper and and brand are like blown away because they didn't know right she didn't know either cooper
1: yeah that's something know. i was wondering yeah. about it's like would she have known would he have just like sent her off without telling her and it turns out now he he knew and she didn't and that's yeah like it's a huge betrayal oh my god like she's just as yeah. torn up by it as everybody yeah. else and it's and the only other person who knew was man,
0: <laughs> yeah, and Cooper is like, yeah, and man goes into this whole thing. Oh, yeah, we had to lie because, you know, plan A was there's no hope for plan A. Uh, so we 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 made up plan A to fund plan B, the lie. The colony is the only way. Uh, yeah, there, yeah, it's hopeless, and we are the future. That's what Dr. Mann says. We are the future. That's it. Earth is done. And it's like, wow,
1: <laughs> thanks for that.
0: Yeah, that's dick a big move, lie, bro. dick move. Um, and so Cooper is like, "Dude, I want no. Nah, I did not sign up for this. Did not sign up for this. Mm-mm. I signed up to save humanity on Earth. I didn't sign up for some mission where I leave my family. If I knew this, I would have said no." Mm-hmm. And so then, basically, he says, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you guys, but then I'm gonna fly back to Earth and be with my family again." Um, and so then you know we get this cool intercut between Murphy um and dr man with cooper and so dr Mann is like oh i need you to you know i need this yeah this is like the point where we're like wait what yeah i need you to come over come over here and help me uh. i want
1: you to look over this cliff just look over there for a minute and i'm gonna stand behind you it's just like that's when i was just like yeah i don't think that Damon's nice in this way i think that yeah. nap really fucked him up a little bit yeah
0: yeah and then dr man is an interesting character. Dr. Man is like one of those super arrogant, super self important, thinks they're going to save the universe type of people. And when they they figure out they're not the center of the universe, they have a tantrum.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And he's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so, I feel so bad for doing this. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, You're I feel just so a
0: bad, but Which I'm going like, to have to kill you.
1: Yeah, it's kind of just like, it's such a, it's like, oh, God, I was so mad at Matt Damon. <laughs> but i was just kind of like you're such a wimp you're such a freaking wimp all you did was take a nap (laughs) you took a nap you woke up cranky and you're just gonna you're just gonna kill someone who's clearly the better person in the situation it's just yeah it was just and what a fucking cowardly way to do it too you're just gonna let him die because like the like what the oxygen was like poisonous basically um i just you know let him he turns off his like internal yeah, his like communicator. And his communicator so he doesn't have to hear him suffocating basically <laughs> I'm just like you yeah. freaking wimp
0: it's like, yeah, you know the last thing you're gonna see when you die you're gonna see your family and you're gonna see your life flash before your eyes
1: it's gonna be real painful before that happens though bro like that's oh thank you for being so comforting in describing the last thing I'm going to see yeah like
0: what a scummy person no it's the like other, not
1: for you to decide
0: the other thing too is so then he like there's this whole thing where they where Romley's trying to get this information out of his military robot Kip, which was destroyed, so he's trying to get it out. Blah blah blah. This thing's happening, and this this piece of trash sets up a bomb. Set up a bomb in the uh, in, in the in 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 this robot. So whenever someone tries to access information, just explodes. So that kills
1: Romley. Yeah, I was mad about that. I was super mad. Like like he's already shown that he's capable of like I mean in a really piss poor way. Of trying to kill someone, and then he's responsible for. I was so mad about Romley because Romley was so like he was very. He was Romley very didn't wise. deserve that. No, he didn't. And like after being stuck in space by yourself for twenty three years, and then he gets blown up. It's just like that's that just pisses me off. I feel like even like I forget if it was Lars or Tars, but one of them tries warning him before he accesses it because, and then he just he can't save he him. Can't he can't save him. He even says like I couldn't save Romley, and it's just yeah. so sad. And ugh. That was just so shitty.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's um I, th- I think it's it's yeah, it's whichever one is the one that can actually it's not the one that's the pilot. I,
1: like I think it's saying. Tars then. Yeah, I think
0: yeah, it's Tars. Tars. Um Yeah, Tars like, oh no, wait, and it's just too late. It just sucks. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so but did you like what did you expect them to have him be this way when you first saw that it was Matt Damon?
1: I feel like it was one of those like too good to be true moments. Um Oh yeah, I have all this data and we can we can set up down here and that's where we can have like the colony and then like obviously Murphy's message gets through and man comes clean but he's still trying to help them. Um but like I learned from watching a lot of Star Trek, the lone survivor trope never turns out the way you want it to. Oh. There's always oh, like very rarely cuz usually they like oh there's a space station that's that's gone dark, abandoned (laughs) Abandoned or gone dark. Oh, but there's this scientist who's been here for 25 Mm -hmm. years and yada, yada, yada. But there's always some kind of um, self-interest that they're trying to fulfill in some way. And um, that's why I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to entirely trust him, but but it's Matt Damon. So maybe I should. (laughs) It was like with the casting, it was very tricky because again, this isn't a character that we generally see Matt Damon play. Um, He's Jason Bourne. We usually root for him. Yeah. You know and I and mean? he's Will Hunting. Like we usually root for him. Um, like he's an eco-friendly king activist. We root for that guy.
0: Yeah, we root for that guy. Good, but good I mean, casting against type, I guess you could say. Right. Yes,
1: exactly. It was a good casting against type, which is why it makes it a little like, mm, fuck you, Mac Damon. How dare yeah, you? Fuck you man. Yeah. You can leave him on Mars for all I fucking care. <laughs> um.
0: So yeah, and and to to kind of. You know, the reason why he's trying to kill Cooper is like Brand agrees with Cooper that Cooper is going to take one of the last shit because they at this point they think, okay we're going to we're going to create humanity on this planet. And so this is the the mission has been accomplished and they don't need the ranger or anything like that. So he was going to take the endurance and then go back to Earth, Cooper. Uh, So Band has to kill him because they're like, yeah, this is, you know, man knows this isn't it. This is not habitable We have to leave and we're going to need that. So when they figure out that, you know, I lied, you're going to be dead. So then we're just going to go to the next planet and be over with it. Um, Yeah, Yeah, and Man just
1: doesn't want to be there anymore either. He's just, he's ready to leave. (laughs) And he's going to do anything he can to make sure that he leaves. And I like how at this point in the story, Bran and Cooper are kind of like on each other's side for really the first time. She's going to help him with his goal and he's going to help her with hers. And it creates like this until Romley dies, it creates like this nice little camaraderie between the three of them. And, um, pardon me. So I like that she's, um, that they're kind of helping each other for the first time.
0: Yeah. So so then, you know, um, they get into this fight, right. And then like, uh, Dr. Mann starts headbutting, headbutting him and then like Cooper's thing breaks. And so he's, he's losing oxygen and he's able to, to crawl and get the communicator and call for help. Um, and, you know, uh, Doctor Brand is able to like figure it out and get to him. So they're they're flying like a a ranger to get to him. Meanwhile, Doctor Mann is stealing another ranger to get back to the Endurance and dock, and basically lock them out. And they'd be they be screwed, totally screwed. Um, they're able to they're able to save um, they're able to save Cooper, but they're too far behind Doctor Mann to stop him. Um, and so then they, there's this kind of the standoff where uh, they with one of the robots withholds the docking sequence from dr man so he tries to do it manually which is disastrous idea and they're trying to tell him dude do not do it do not try and do it manually you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do it yeah
1: this is why we have robots
0: (laughs) but this arrogant freaking idiot he's like he doesn't care he doesn't care he's so arrogant and so dumb that he's yeah. like, oh yeah, I, c- I can do it. Like you don't understand. And then he has this long speech before he fucking blows the thing up.
1: Well, it would have been long. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: would have been, but no, he died. He thankfully, yep. but he blew. He basically blows up the. Uh, he basically blows up the endurance with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it
0: creates this massive explosion, and then it starts spinning at very, very, you know, very high RPMs. Um, and now they they have to they have to dock while this thing is spinning in order to stop it from spinning out of control um yeah and then we get again one of the cool another one of the coolest sequences in the in the film I like so like cooper cooper's like okay like study study the enddured spinning and then the I think Tars is like no you can't do it it's not possible no it's not it's necessary
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> it's necessary that you get this and get get us to dock on this damn thing
0: yeah so what do you think of this scene where they're like trying to like uh, match the spin and uh, with the endurance
1: dizzying oh my god like i thought like watching first man made me dizzy but i was just like oh yeah i'm about to pass out just like anne hathaway
0: <laughs> yeah anne hathaway passes out she's done
1: yep and it, it was very harrowing but i was like they gotta get back They like, they need to get back like come on these people need a break they need good news come on and uh, you know it was very good very harrowing and i i really liked it
0: yeah um but you know again this is this is why this is what astronauts train for. This is why they're a different type of human than us, you know, mere mortals.
1: And it kind of goes with like the name of the ship which is Endurance and this is the most this is you got to have some serious endur- endurance for this dude like yeah. cuz you're just this tiny little meat sack is <laughs> spinning and spinning and spinning and it's it's crazy.
0: Yeah. Um but yeah the, and the music the, what did you think of like the the music and like the sound design, like the score and the sound design for this film.
1: Oh, I loved it. There was no bomb. So that was good. Um, I didn't hear that. I kept waiting for it. Um, I liked that. Uh, Christopher Nolan basically told Zimmer, I want a different kind of sound. I don't want necessarily the whole instrumental whole orchestra thing. Um, um I loved the, the organ music because the organ is kind yeah. of like, it's a kind of, it's an interesting instrument, you know, it's basically a piano, but it's, it's, it has a very different type of sound and we usually associate it with like very, very dramatic, maybe even like Gothic type of things. Um, but no, it was, I loved it. It was very, very good. It really, it gave it its, it gave it personality in a way. And I thought, it, I, thought I really liked the sound design and the, uh, the, the musical score especially.
0: Yeah. I think the score is really good, especially like in this, this scene with Cooper trying to dock um, it's really powerful. It really, really works, fits the scene. But, yeah, like you said, it's not the bomb. It's not the over-the-top, super loud stuff. It's very understated and a little subtle. Um, but, yeah, it gives us, you know, I, I feel like it fits the space kind of atmosphere.
1: I agree. Yeah, it really fits eerie. that atmosphere. Yeah, very eerie, very, you know, unforgiving, mysterious, but beautiful at the same time.
0: Yeah, so it, I think this is, again, one of the better Hans Zimmer scores, which is saying a lot.
1: I feel like he outdoes himself every time.
0: <laughs> he does every
1: time, like from Gladiator to Interstellar. It's just like, yeah, it's I, always I lo- so like impressive. the Pirates of the Caribbean music. I freaking yeah. love it. Is so good. It is so good. Like he's just he's a phenomenal composer.
0: Um. So now they've 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 gotten Doctor the Endurance. They've gotten it away from the. Uh, <clears throat> they've gotten it away from. Gar- Gargantua but now they have to figure out how to get to uh, the last planet and so Cooper has a plan to like slingshot around Gargantua and get to get to Edmund's planet um, and then one thing he doesn't tell tell Brand is that you know he he basically he's gonna have to detach too, leaving her by herself mm. yeah and that's like kind of a sad moment and he's gonna fly into a black hole
1: <laughs> pretty much and it's just so sad because like it's Oh, they had just started working together. She came back and yeah. saved them. And in a way, he's trying to save her. I think he is. Um, you know, I'm sending you where you originally wanted to go. Like, yeah, this is where you wanted to be, and I hope you find what you're looking for kind of a thing. Um, but it's just so heartbreaking cause it's like, what if I'm alone? Yeah. yeah, you know, all we have is each other now at that yeah. point,
0: but you know, that's that's just what's gotta happen. like they mm-hmm. otherwise they're not gonna make it. Uh, so then. You get this crazy scene where Cooper is flying into the black hole. This is pretty scary Mm. to me. Um, Going into a black hole is, that is it. That is it for you. (laughs) There is no getting out. Not even light can escape and you're going to slowly be crushed into nothing. Fun. (laughs) Yeah. And he's in this ship and like the visuals are so interesting and the sound is so interesting. Like, we get these shots of just, like, dust sucked into black um, as a way of kind of representing, like, what it, what it would look like to be descending into a complete black. Because when you are when you're go into the – I saw this really cool illustration of, like, what it would be like to go into a black hole. Um, it's very interesting because it's very kind of similar to the wormhole. It's almost sort of like the opposite. Like, you go in – like, imagine you would go into the wormhole, and then basically on the outside, you would see the universe and light, and then it would just stop. It would just become black just become absolutely black. And that's just it. You're just going into complete darkness. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's like one of those things, you know, and and it's sort of like death. No one can ever really know what's going to happen when you, once you go in. Like, it's exactly. just you go in, something happens, and then that's it.
1: <laughs> exactly. And we don't know what that something is.
0: Yeah. Um, and so he's falling and falling and going, and he's trying to pilot the ship, but, you know, uh, it's kind of futile. And then at some point he ejects. And he's just, you know, he's just falling. Um, And then we get probably the craziest scene in the whole movie, right? He falls into some place. Like, can words really describe where he ends up? Like when you first see that?
1: Uh, I just, I mean, because there's books involved, it's kind of just like a library, but what encompasses that library, what's on the outside is very unknowable and very, um, can't put into words exactly. it's different. <laughs> it's a different realm. It's it's a whole other realm of existence wherever he is. Like, is his yes. body even, like, there? Is it just there because we need a projection of Matthew McConaughey because he's our main character? Would it be too trippy if it was just like his mind expanding or, like, where did it take him? Because this is probably not the destination he thought it was going to be. Um, I don't know. Just like a a doorway to, space, to a different space and time.
0: Yeah, he's in, but what he... What we know is he's like, he's basically in in uh, Murf, Murphy's room when she was younger, like mm-hmm. pretty much at the beginning of the film that we saw. And he's like behind this bookshelf uh, and he sees her and he kind of like starts beating on the bookshelf and like kind of knocks a book over. Um,
1: <laughs> the beginning just, is the end. The end is the beginning kind of a thing. Yeah.
0: It's like, what the hell is going on? Super true. So, so here's a question I have for you. So how do you think they... They pulled this scene off. How do you think that they did?
1: He was suspended by a near a blue screen or something, and just floating there is what I kind of imagined it to be. Unless he was suspended inside of a really amazing set.
0: Yeah. So if you can believe it, this whole thing was a set. Wow. That they created. Right? They created this set, this thing. Like all the things you saw was was created for this. Whatever you want to call this this place. Um, later on, we 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 basically find out that it's it's is a four dimensional what we call a tesseract, not like the Marvel shit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a tesseract. It's like a it's like an object that describes how a four dimensional space interacts with three dimensional space, pretty much. Um, and this is kind of a cool illustration. Like if you look up like tesseract, you can see what it looks like. Um, and what's interesting is you basically see, like, uh, towards the end of the scene, you see the Tesseract effect as this thing is sort of dissolving away. Um, it's very interesting. Um, and it's basically, like, the best way to, to sort of visualize it, it would be a cube sort of kind of funneling in on itself infinitely. Okay. It, it's, uh, yeah, how it would work. Um, but, yeah, but th- that's basically what it is, some kind of four-dimensional thing, and we have a three-dimensional being thrust into it. <laughs> Uh, and then so Cooper, you know, he's he, he figures out, oh, I need to communicate with Murph uh, and try and send her a message. And, you know, uh, TARS survives. And so then TARS shows up and kind of they're able to communicate with each other. And sort of the whole one of the big things is like there's some sort of data that you can glean from being inside of a black hole that it's basically impossible for human beings to get out because, mm-hmm. you know, once you go in the black hole, you can't get out of it. So then now they're able to do it and Cooper is able to communicate that information to Murph um, over time. And so that's basically what this whole story has been about is for him to to do this thing, to communicate with her, he was her ghost
1: mm-hmm. so that
0: it could, they can basically together save humanity. So yeah.
1: <laughs> and then it's kind of, it goes back to, he even mentions it. it goes back to what brand, I mean, Anne Hathaway's character brand was, talking about before like love can transcend time and space and reality and he does it he proves her right um even if he thought it was hokey at the time and it was just her being compromised in an emotional way he's like no it actually is true like i need to communicate with the one person who will understand what i'm trying to get across and he does that with with murph and for her to like yeah. you need to find me and he tries to get himself to stay and you know, don't go. It's it's not what it's not it's not what you think it is. And um,
0: yeah, he sees yeah. himself leave her again, and he's just
1: yeah. He even tries telling himself like, come back, come back. Mm-hmm. And and the, another yeah. thing too is like the they kept mentioning these beings that would have created the wormhole throughout the whole film. You know, why did they do it? Who is it for? And Tars kind of talks about how yeah, I'm with these people or I'm with these beings, and they're trying to communicate or something like that. And they're showing us this. This thing, and even he can't really put it into words as well, which I thought was like, oh, okay. So kind of because I kept wondering if they were going to circle back to it or if it was going to be forgotten, like lost in the shuffle of all the other crazy things that were going on. But they they do circle back.
0: Yeah, and so um, Cooper pretty pretty much says that they're some kind of future version of human beings, like evolved beyond you know our our futile, silly three dimensional, <laughs> you know, about, like us four. Things that are bound by space and time, like they're unbound by it and they're far beyond it. So they created this, the Tesseract, this this, um, representation of every moment in time that uh, is within her room so that Cooper can communicate with her. Um, And then, you know, Cooper figures out he's gonna transmit the quantum data to Murph through this watch that he gave her Um, and then Murph, we see Murph realize that, that she's getting this data from the watch. She like sees like the, there's like this code on the, on the, the second hand or something like that, or the minute hand and it's moving. Um, and then we see her gather all the data, complete the equation. Uh, and then she has Eureka moment and she, oh yeah, by the way, Topher Grace is in this movie too.
1: Oh yeah. That was random. Venom, Yeah. Yeah. He was in this. (laughs) I was just kind of like, okay, he's just kind of there. You know, yeah, Topher just, Grace. That's how I kind then, of feel about Topher Grace is that like, oh, he's just kind of there.
0: <laughs> the best thing about Topher Grace is like he's actually a really good editor, and he's edited. He edited. He edited a fan version of like he edited like the first two prequels together into a movie. Huh. Which was interesting, and he also did these really great um, sort of fan edit sort of. Star Wars compilations. On it. If you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend it.
1: I'll check it out.
0: Uh, I think it's like Star Wars Always, is what it's called. It'll get you very emotional. I'll just say that.
1: Oh, <laughs> Probably. Okay.
0: I definitely got emotional watching it. Um, yeah. So, um, oh, the other thing, too, just to, to, to talk about um, Cooper, one of the things Cooper figures out is that he, in this Tesseract, he can't change the past. He can't. So, time. Um, this isn't like time travel where like, you know, I go back in the past and I, I don't know, kill my grandfather, but I'm still alive because I've created an alternate timeline. There's one timeline. And so it cannot be changed. Um, but in the future, he's able to basically, you know, give her the information to save humanity, which is then going to then create these four dimensional beings in the future. And once once he's relayed the information to her, his task is done. Um, and we see the Tesseract kind of dissipating as it were. Um, and yeah, they, 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 yeah, all this stuff was so cool. It was so cool the way they did all this stuff. We see it disappearing, and then um, he gets spit out somewhere like near near Jupiter or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird to me, be, only because I'm like, okay, if he gets sucked in the black hole and you can't get back out, how the fuck did they get him out? Or, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like they're that evolved to where they can they can harness the power of a black hole to get some, the one guy who went in it out. But, like, I, it was fine. I suspended my reality enough long long enough for it.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I guess one other thing I should mention is that, like, as the Tesseract is unfolding, Cooper sees Brand in the spaceship heading through the wormhole. And he's, like, kind of mm-hmm. reaches out to her. So oh, yeah.
1: Him. Yeah, exactly. Her first, the first handshake.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of, like, a cool, you know, symmetrical thing. Time is relative right? Yep. <laughs> um, so then Cooper wakes up in a, this is another cool scene. It's a, it's a, what it's called is a O'Neill cylinder space station. So it's a cylindrical space station um, habitat pretty much in space and it's orbiting Saturn and it's named after, it's called Cooper station, but it's mm-hmm. named after the daughter Cooper, not him or whatever, or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I
1: think it's named after Murphy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mur- is. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was this was okay. This was an interesting. This was like a small thing, but this kind of got me because I this was like a thing that I picked up. So they have a plaque dedicated to the Lazarus mission, and <laughs> so it has the brand, it has the poem on it, right? The, the mm-hmm. rage, rage, rage. And guess guess whose name is also inscribed on this thing?
1: Whose I didn't notice
0: the the motherfucker, Doctor Mann.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, great. Right? How, how messed up is that? It's so messed up because it's like, oh, he probably, like, oh, he died trying to save humanity. Like, no, he didn't. He died because he was a moron. <laughs> like, he,
0: he, he almost destroyed humanity. He's the worst of humanity.
1: Exactly. It's like, well, we don't know the whole story. We just know that he died trying <laughs> to do something.
0: Yeah, it's a little, I mean, I don't know if they realized, like, how kind of. That, that says a lot, because, like, that's what would probably happen in real life.
1: Yeah, especially and- if, you, like, you don't know. You weren't there. You just know yep. that he went. You know, it's not their fault. He, they didn't know he was a piece of shit.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's not their fault. But, yeah. It's like, man, if only they knew. If only they knew how. And Dr. Brand, too. Like, the the he's another piece of shit. Lying. Exactly. Trash human. Um, probably set them back a long ways. Anyway, <laughs> that just kind of, that was, like, a small note that kind of made me go, Interesting. Uh, so yeah, so Cooper, they like they give him a house, They um, and it's like this dedication to the people that lived through the Dust Bowl era on Earth. Uh, Tars has survived too, and so he goes to repairing him. And they basically say like, you know, Murph is coming to the station to meet with him. Um, and then, <laughs> this is so interesting, right? He Cooper meets with Murph, who's old, and like he sees like her whole family's there. And she, you know, she's older than him. Mm-hmm. How crazy is that relativity for you
1: no seriously it was very it was very good i wish they had had more time that's the only thing about that about the ending i know they were trying to wrap things up um which i i I get it but the whole movie's been about them you know what i mean and they just have this one scene and she's like oh you need to go get brand and i get it she's old she's dying but it, it just—it it wasn't very satisfying to me. I, I, I was—I was left kind of wanting more from both of them, because um, they're finally back together, and then he just leaves again, and it's just—yeah. Oh, I have my family around me now. I'm okay. I'm not mad anymore. I'm like, okay, I'm glad you're not mad anymore. Yeah. But like- those are also
0: his family, right? By yeah, the way?
1: exactly. Those are. And he—he—he like- he ha- he
0: doesn't say anything to them. Like, it'd be like, these are my grandchildren. I get to see them
1: these are great great grandchildren my- you know like this is an in- really intense moment you don't want to just stay with your daughter from, at least until she maybe passes away like time is relative brant's gonna be there you know what i mean and it just kind of it made me a little sad that it was kind of just glossed over a little bit and there wasn't more time between the two of them
0: that that definitely could have been played in a different way that could have been more emotionally satisfying yeah um but yeah so he says you know you gotta go find go find uh, amelia She's on Edmund's planet by herself. Like, you have to go find her. And then he, you know, he hijacks a ranger with uh, TARS. And they're off on their next mission. And basically, the last thing we see is, you know, Brand on that planet by herself. And again, you know, Edmund's, he is dead.
1: Yep. He's been dead for a while, probably. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I think he goes and gets her, and they start a new colony there. But also, <laughs> these beings are so great and intelligent and amazing and live in a four-dimensional plane. Why didn't they just go get her? Is it supposed to be like this full circle thing, basically, where he has to be the this, one, like, yeah. they have to start anew together because they're the only the, two who can really relate to each other, maybe?
0: Well, I think, I think so the, the 4D being thing, um, this this gets into some... There's actually, like, a really long answer to that. The The, the short answer is pretty much because of the way time works and be- so that there's not some kind of weird loop of time or whatever, um, the beings have to like, they can't actively put a hand on the scale. I guess is the best way to put it so that okay. their occurrence can happen naturally. Um, otherwise it becomes a paradox that basically would, would, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense anymore logically. So they, they can, the, the beings can only intervene in a, in a way that is, um, limited,
1: Okay. Much.
0: So that's why they they just do that stuff with Cooper so that he's able to save humanity and basically create them and okay.
1: Else. okay. <clears throat> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Cause actually the whole plot is constructed around that. That's true. Um it, it, there, there's another film. We may I may see if we could talk about it at some point. It's called Sphere. It's a very similar type of setup.
1: Oh, I um, saw that years ago when I was a kid yeah. and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs>
0: It's a weird movie. It's a weird movie. Um, Very, very weird. I liked it. I saw it as a kid and I liked it a lot. It really worked for me. Um, But I feel like for a lot of people it didn't work. But it had this right level of kind of eeriness, but sci fi ness, but also kind of like this where it's like trying to be hard sci-fi, you know, where it's not Mm -hmm. trying to be fantastical and whimsical. It's trying to like approach a sci-fi question in a realistic way. Okay. And, you know, again, like that movie's all about doctors and stuff and scientists or whatever. Um, yeah. So, you know, you have to like, really, Nolan was trying to be very intricate in how he set up the plot so that a paradox wasn't created pretty much. Um, yeah. But so yeah, that was the film. So um, what do you think? So did you think that the film was too long? Like, wh- what were your thoughts on that?
1: necessarily if they were trying to go like the true science route of it I think it was an appropriate amount of time if it was going to be like you said whimsical or fantastic or something like that I feel like it would have been cut down to about an hour and a half which is generally how long movies are Um, but it also wanted to really immerse you as well you wanted to really be immersed in the story and the setting the the places they go so I thought it was a I thought it was a decent runtime. it was it was it was a two hour movie I didn't mind sitting through if it had been if it had been like if the characters had been boring and uninteresting and just flat with no personality, I would have probably checked out of it, honestly.
0: So, um, how, if you were to compare this with other Nolan films in terms of like the characters, like how, how much did you, would you say you connected with the characters in this film as opposed to the other films of his that you've seen?
1: Um, probably more so this, this and, um, uh, why do I keep forgetting the name? I mentioned it. You, you reminded me of the name oh, earlier. The Prestige. The Prestige. The prestige. God yeah. damn it, Why do I keep forgetting yeah. <laughs> that? This and The Prestige, I think, were the most emotionally driven by character, uh, by character more than story. Like, there's obviously still a mystery surrounding both of these films, and we want to find out what that is, but we care about the characters. Yes. Um, pardon me. Especially, you know, the Christian Bale one is one we're supposed to be rooting for because the Hugh Jackman one is just so ego-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like so. Dr. Matt. Exactly. Like, why can't you just leave well enough alone and get the yeah. get the fuck out of your little piece of shit? Um, yeah. But I feel like this one was the was the better of the of the two as far as emotions go and the investment that we place in these characters because you want him to get back to Murph. you really do. You know, he's already lost yes. so much time, um, and for her to save time waiting for him, she's been in cryogenic sleep the majority of her elder years. So it's um. Yeah, I thought it was definitely the more emotional of the two that I, I, I really cared about these characters.
0: Cool. Um, and I guess, what, what was your favorite, like, sequence in this film? What, what really, like, was your takeaway where you're like, wow, that blew me away?
1: Well, it, 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 there's three moments that really stand out to me. Um, when they pass by Saturn, I loved that shot. Just, like, this giant and this tiny little speck, basically. That's what it is. We're just a little speck um the wormhole and the black hole definitely like the giant wave was pretty cool but as far as like them being in space goes like i really loved that those moments of the wormhole and the black hole for sure
0: i totally agree with you there i i I think the tesseract stuff the tesseract stuff when i first saw it it it, like me and my friends i remember seeing it and we all had the same reaction just like blown away i mean in a film where you're constantly blown away by stuff Mm -hmm. that blew us away even more to like it was just like because at first you're like trying to wrap your head around like, what am I seeing? What's going mm-hmm.
1: on? No, for sure. That was a good scene. Um, I definitely, I liked it. I just, I love the idea though of like, okay, let's just go in the wormhole. Who cares? Let's yeah. just do it.
0: <laughs> the wormhole is so cool. And just like, even when you're seeing like, there's a shot of them approaching it in their ship and it's just like, wow. Cause like, you see this like stars spinning or something.
1: Yep. <laughs> it's like this vortex. It is a horizon, you know, what's beyond the horizon
0: yeah oh God. I love that. I love it. i i this is one of my absolute favorite films, like of all time. like I just this is like what I love that film can do mm-hmm. you know, to pick these things, send it's like sending humans to places that we can only hope we could ever see in the future,
1: yeah, and it's so beyond our lifetime. and that's it's the sad part of it. It's so bittersweet. It's so bittersweet because you just want to be there when it happens,
0: yeah. this is basically the the closest we can get um probably yeah
1: <laughs> but it's, it's so cool through it yeah it is very cool so cool okay
0: cool yeah i think that's uh it right, for review um do you have any kind of last words or thoughts that you want to share
1: um my only grievance with this is that i don't know if gravity or this came first but now we're just seeing a bunch of space movies and now it's getting i feel like it's getting a little watered down i feel like the genre is getting too saturated with too much i feel like what made it special about movies like this was that there were so few and far between that now they're just pumping them out one after the other um and i liked gravity i, I enjoyed it um i think interstellar is just they're they take place in space but they're very different stories you know what i mean so i try and give it yes. that i think interstellar was better i think it was mm-hmm. no pun intended worlds better it was just it was just, it, it yeah it was just it was just good <laughs> it was just so good
0: yeah, like you said, Interstellar is trying to be like the 2001. It's trying to be on that level. It's trying to to throw out ideas at us that are like that. You know, make us, you know, like like Star Trek, make us feel like we want to, you know, go better, go farther, pursue bigger things and, like, mm-hmm. break out of these small kind of, you know, the global conflicts and, you know, or the, the the, I don't know, the kind of somewhat irrelevant things and think about, humanity in the scope of the universe how big the universe is right yeah yeah that's just what i really like about this film i really really appreciate i really appreciate that christopher nolan uses his because there's very like every generation there's like a handful of guys who get the ability to do stuff like this right mm-hmm. and i really appreciate that he used that to create something like this you know
1: exactly exactly then based in some truth of science you know what i mean based in like yeah it's theory and things like that but this is how we can try and portray those theories on the big screen too which i i really like cuz i love stuff like that i really do
0: yeah for sure same here okay well so i was thinking to do a film similar to this maybe next week we could talk about the film contact
1: <laughs> oh my god i loved that movie growing up again it was one of those films i didn't entirely understand what was going on but it just i can definitely say that it's it's one of those films that really because there's different types of sci-fi you know what i mean like yes. there's star trek there's star wars and then there's this type of sci-fi with the real little like the the precursors to all of the other things that came before and even though you know Contact came after Star Trek. It, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It's like it's it's a different way of portraying contact, in life, and things like that. And I remember it just it really had a huge impact on me. And it just I remember so many visual things about that movie. And I I wanted to be Jodie Foster so bad, but I, uh, I yeah. I'm not smart enough to do these things. I know my limits. If I really wanted to be that, I would have tried but I think it's good to know your limits sometimes and what you're good at, know what you're good at. Um, but it just, it hooked me on such an emotional level, on such a a wonder level. And it just, I love that movie. So I'm totally game for watching that. Yeah,
0: I- yeah, that'll be exciting. Cause like, well, I'll talk about it when we get into the review, but I had an interesting relationship with that film <laughs> as a kid. Um, but like you said, there's, this is trying to be interstellar and stuff like Contact and 2001. It's trying to be hard sci-fi, right? Yeah.
1: And that's where actually I think it, Star Trek the motion picture shot itself in the foot. Because it hadn't been hard sci-fi in, at that point. It had been the whimsy. It had been the, the hokey. It had been the monster of the week for so long. And that's obviously not me knocking Star Trek because I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took a hard turn trying to be that hard sci-fi. And it doesn't, it doesn't work when you try and rewrite the biology of a, of a franchise like that. It, you either have to start from the beginning as the hard sci-fi or you start from the beginning as star Trek sci-fi and there's nothing wrong with either one. But I think that's where star Trek, the motion picture shot itself in the foot is that I think people were expecting the whimsy and it was just, no, this is where we're going. This is what Beeger is. This is all this other stuff. It's, it's got it's not God, but it's not an alien. What is it? It's a conscious vortex of craziness basically. And, um, I think both genres within the genre of sci-fi have have their place, and it's and I, I enjoy both of them very very much. Um, I really love movies like Contact and Interstellar because I I feel like we know people like that. We can we can relate to them on a very personal level.
0: Yeah, because like you know you think about the character like again, it's very similar characters in Interstellar, right? It's it's a doctor, it's a it's an astronaut, it's a scientist. It's these people who spend their life pursuing knowledge, and you know there's something about that passion that people have about pursuing knowledge, it's just kind of infectious at times. Right.
1: It is. You want to be there. You want to join them. You want to share in that excitement.
0: Yeah. Um, so that'll be for next week or whenever. So that'll be a very exciting thing to talk about. Um, so, yeah. So until then, thanks a lot, everyone. And, um, you know, may the force be with you.
1: Live long and prosper.